Hey, I'm Johnny King, and I'm a life enthusiast, growth mentor, and lifestyle fulfillment coach, which means I've dedicated my entire life to helping anyone who feels like they're not making the most of their potential to level up and live the extraordinary life of their dreams. You deserve to be the king or queen of your own kingdom, and I'll be alongside to help you be the best version that you can be. I'm psyched that you're here, so let's get to it. What is going on? I am the hostess with the mostest, Johnny King. Thank you for tuning in for another and incredible, this is going to be the best episode of my entire life right here, folks, of the Johnny King Show, because I want to talk about personal finance. And this is an area of my life that uh, is probably one of my weaker um, areas. And I've been listening to a lot of personal finance podcasts and reading books and kind of geeking out on it, um, stepping into the storm versus running away from it. And, you know, it's not all that scary when you actually get into it. Um, and I do really appreciate how a lot of people can just, uh, the, the, the podcasts that I really enjoy, they distill down the principles so they're not uh, overwhelming. You know, and they, it's not something like you have to be a a mathematician to figure it all out. Um, and so, the some of the podcasts that I've been listening to, there's this movement called Fire, right? And the Fire is an acronym for Financial Independence Retire Early. And I'm listening to these podcasts, and there's all these, you know, like t- late twenty or thirty year old, or maybe even early forty year old individuals or couples who are retiring and they're quitting their jobs and then they're going off to do uh, various other things that they really want to do. Now, um, they're not retiring in the sense of like, I'm done working. What they're really doing is uh, they get to a point where they don't have the pressure of having to make a certain you know, amount of money. Every single, every single month and every single year, they are financially set uh, and then they go off and they get to do whatever they want to do and pursue, you know, different types of passions. Now, I um, I kind of felt like for me it was awfully difficult and it still is awfully difficult for me to focus on making money just for the sake of making money. Um, I don't know why that is. I could probably dig into that, but I won't. I'll save you. <laughs> I'll save you the uh, the agony of you know listening to me try to dig dig into that for myself, but I'm sure a big part of it again is just wanting to for me to be a uh, a passionate person at the end of the day, um, because if if I'm not passionate with what I'm doing as a living, then I'm not a passionate person when I come home from whatever I'm doing for a living, right? I don't live as a passionate person, and that has bit me in the butt. Uh, to say the least, in my relationships and my health and all my other endeavors. So um, my whole focus is on making money while <laughs> while I am passionate about what it is that I'm doing. I kind of sometimes wonder if it's a longer road to quote-unquote financial success. I don't know. Because um, I know I could certainly be making a ton more money if I were to be doing something different that... Uh, maybe just working a job or working in marketing or whatever the case might be. Um, but that's also probably a limiting belief of mine. 
and as my income continues to grow with the the growth of my business, you know, some of those limiting beliefs go away. But um, what I do know is listening to these podcasts, you know, they talk to, you know, various millennials who are like, yeah, I'm a, you know, a software engineer or, um, you know, I'm a computer science, you know, whatever, whatever. And so these are individuals who are very intelligent. Uh, generally speaking, they live frugally, but not from the standpoint of like they, they, you know, only eat bread and water. Like they live their lives the way they want to. But I love that some of these podcast episodes talk about like, like the fulfillment ratio. Um, and it's like, um, don't, don't give a, don't give up that three, four or $5 coffee. If that brings you like massive enjoyment and fulfillment, but then look at all the other places that you spend money and really ask if, if that, if that expenditure is something that really excites you, that the fulfillment level uh, stays high, or if it's just kind of like mindless uh, spending or it's retail therapy uh, from the standpoint that you're, you're buying stuff just because you're bored or you're unhappy. Because, um, I mean, I, I, allude, I liken it to, you know, every year, every other year, whenever I get a new cell phone, I'm like super excited. Like it, it's just super exciting. But within two days, maybe a day, two days, I'm like, yeah, it's my new phone. I'm over it so fast, right? Um, typically because there's not a ton of new features that comes with new phones these days. They're like, all right, there's just some cool new upgrades. But then you, you get over it, right? I get over it. So that's something you want to look at um, wanting to, to keep your spending down obviously to be making as much money as you can. And if you're a software engineer or you're, you know, whatever the case might be, and you have a, a good six-figure income, then kudos, awesome. This doesn't have to, you don't have to be making a ton of money, though, to, to make this principle work. Um, but it certainly, of course, it helps speed things up. The more money you can make, the better. And so their, their whole, uh, I guess, equation, if you will, is you have to figure out how much your monthly, I'm sorry, not your monthly, your yearly living costs are, okay? So what is like that nut that you need to make sure that you cover every single year um, with, you know, your living expenses, your eating expenses, your healthcare expenses, gym, you know, clothing, whatever it is, right? You add that all up, and maybe it's twenty-five thousand dollars, or maybe it's fifty thousand dollars. It depends on, of course, if you have a, a significant other, if you have kids. Um, but let's just say uh, you live off of fifty thousand dollars a year, right? And that covers, like I said, your your food, your boarding, your travel, um, all of your basic needs. Okay, fifty thousand dollars, and you multiply that times twenty-five. And that is just in this scenario, that's 1.250,000. That's uh, $1.2 million, roughly, right? Uh, one and a quarter, exactly. That, once, and that's, that's your savings goal. Once you save $1.25 million, then in essence, their 4% rule comes into play where.
if you essentially you have 1.25 million dollars uh, in the bank uh, in in the market, and on average it should yield six percent, let's say conservatively, six to eight percent. In which case you could draw four percent from that and still have your little nest egg uh, be growing each year. And you could live off of 4% because 4% of, uh, let me do that, right, is $50,000. 1, 2, 5, 0, 0, 0, 0, times 0.04 is $50,000. 4%, that rule works in the sense that you could then draw and take 50%, I'm sorry, $50,000 out of the proceeds of what you're making uh, off of that $1.2 million each year and never touch your capital, never touch, uh, sorry, touch your uh, principal. Am I saying that right? Why am I totally having a brain fart? Um, like your your total amount of money in the bank, 1.25. You'll never have to touch that because as it's growing, compounding, you're actually taking some of that money, right? Now, especially with things like coronavirus, <laughs> We're going to see the the cycles of the the market going up and down, and that certainly can be scary. One couple, uh, they didn't have kids, and they kind of live around the world. They just kind of travel, and they they work, but they don't have to necessarily make a ton of money. Um, but they have retired. They are free from the rat race, and their motto, which I liked, was if the shit hits the fan. They're moving to Thailand. And I wonder if they've actually moved to Thailand because the, the living over there is so inexpensive. You know, They said for what they could live here in the States, you know, living cost for $50,000, they could live over in Thailand for like a fifth of the cost, right? They can get away with like <laughs> covering their living, living expenses f- for about uh, $10,000, $10, right? Just because it's the dollar is so much so much stronger over there. So I like the idea, and granted that that takes uh, some flexibility, and that may that may not fit into your <laughs> your equation for what life looks like if things get crazy and you know <laughs> moving off to Thailand. And in this case of you know a global pandemic, you you probably couldn't anyways, um, or you'd have to move over there quick before you get locked down. Um, because I have a friend in Thailand, and they're still uh, they're still working on it, <laughs> still kind of in lockdown quarantine, if you will. And so, the idea, though, of course, again, is just to to get to the point where you take that financial burden of having to, you know, you as you make more money, then you spend more money, you get more doodads, you get it, you upgrade the house, you get bigger cars. Because a lot of these personal finance podcasts talk about our biggest expenditure typically for the average you know, individual is your living expense, your mortgage, right? Second would be travel, which would be, you know, a car, insurance, maintenance, as well as like flights and things like that is travel. Third is then like food um, and dining out, groceries, things like that. So they're like, if you can figure out how to actually use the first two and rather than being liabilities but turning them into assets that of course also speeds up your ability to save up that nest egg of 1.2 or whatever your equation is 25 times your annual uh, living and your spending um, 
so for instance, with me, I've got a couple properties. Uh, one is leased out long term. Another one uh, is my principal residence that I actually lease out uh, through Airbnb. And during the pandemic, you know, there was no action on that. I had, you know, obviously the, the reservations I had ended up all uh, canceling out. But as of the last month or so, things have picked back up. And pretty much every weekend, um, currently as I'm recording this, um, there's someone that's in my, you know, a couple that's in my house for a week. And through that, um, I'm more, uh, what am I trying to say? I am, yeah, what am I trying to say? I was trying to think of how to say it exactly, but it's more than covering the cost of my mortgage, uh, and then some, right? At roughly 300 bucks a night, um, for my place. It doesn't take that many nights rented out for me to cover my mortgage. Cool. So now someone else is paying my mortgage. Well, then what about transportation? Um, I've got a couple of cars. I lease them out through Turo, which is a kind of like an Airbnb platform for, it's like car sharing, uh, but it's not Uber or Lyft where I have to be, you know, actually trading my hours, you know, driving people around. Uh, I just lease out my car. So I always keep one of my cars uh, for my daily driver and then I lease out the other one and that makes good money too. So that more than covers the cost of my, I have payment on one of my cars, I owe the other car outright, but it covers the insurance on both, it covers the maintenance on all of them, um, and like I said, it covers that, that car payment. And it's just fun. Um, I kind of have a mountain car and I have a, like a sports car. So that's, that's the way that I've gone about doing it. Does it take time? Yes. Does it take a little bit of uh, effort and side hustle? Yes. Are there times that I don't want to drive my car out to the airport, drop it off in the parking lot, and then take the train back into town and Uber back home? Yes. But it's just like a business. Like it's Those are the sacrifices that I have to make. Could I potentially get someone else to do that for me? Sure, I could. Um, I could outsource all of it. I could get someone to drive my car to the airport or pick it up or arrange all that stuff. I could get someone to completely manage my house so I don't have to, you know, even pick up a finger to clean it, to, to work, you know, interact with the guests. You know, at this point in my life, because I don't have a significant other and I don't have kids, I've got the time, you know, um, and not to mention I have the mobility with my, with the work that I do that I can do it from anywhere, whether it's at the coffee shop or whether I do it from the train or whether I do it from, you know, uh, another apartment that I'm, you know, renting out while my Airbnb is leased out. So I have that flexibility. Would things change if I, you know, when I have a significant other and, and family, stuff like that? Absolutely. Will I be like getting out of my own house and like, all right, kids, sorry, we've got another reservation. <laughs> Pack up your bags. We're, uh, grab the tent. We're going camping for two weeks. No. I'm probably not going to do that, um, but I'll cross that bridge when I come to it. But it's, again, your scenario probably looks different than mine, but I want you to take some time to think about, A, first and foremost, how much is your yearly spending, you know, and, uh, and, and where can you actually cut some spending? B, uh, figure out that equation, take that yearly spend, you know, spending number, multiply, multiply it by 25 
and whatever number that is, that is your target for saving up that nest egg, putting everything you can into that, uh, saving up to that, that number, and then you're quote unquote retired to where you can do the things that you really want to do, which is pretty freaking awesome. I mean, think about it. What would, what would life be and how would it affect your relationships and how you experience day-to-day life if you no longer had to worry about, you know, the bills being paid, right? It's pretty fun um, to think about, like, what could you create? What would you do? What, how would you, you know, in what ways would you be potentially so much more outwardly focused versus just focused on paying the bills and being frustrated, feeling like you have to go to work or you have to do this or that. Um, cause I experienced that. And I think that's, that was a big, uh, aha moment for me too. Around the time that I got divorced, uh, 30 years old, I was like, why, why have I been choosing to be in this job that I really don't enjoy? Although it makes good money. It's because I was valuing security and certainty, um, and significance through, you know, making good money than I did actually through uh, variety, like adventure and growth. Um, and because there's, I cannot tell you how many times <laughs> I have really considered going back and getting a job. I mean, I've been working for myself for 10 years and things have ebbed and flowed. Like every single time I've actually <laughs> gotten up to a point where I'm making really good money in the business that I've been making, I've also then found at times, not every single time, but multiple times over the last 10 years, have I found that my fulfillment, even though my mon- the money is there, the fulfillment and the growth is like flatlined, like it's dead, right? And then I've questioned myself, like, I, I know, <laughs> I've done this in the past, I've traded my happiness just for security, and I have not enjoyed the person that I've been in those instances. So the key for me is that level of abundance where you not only are making great money, but you're also contributing in a major way and you're deeply fulfilled. That's what I'm always chasing, you know. Um, and, you know, gratefully, I am there in many respects. I just know that the game never really ends and I just want to impact uh, my circles on on a bigger level because it just that is what's required of uh of my life if it's going to continually grow and to continuously grow is what keeps me excited and passionate and happy (laughs) with my life it's when things get stagnant that uh i start to pull my hair out and so if you were to really think about living life where you didn't have to cover your your bills like what would that look like and so i really looked at that for myself too because I had no fulfillment 10 years ago, but I had, uh, you know, I had the income. And so there's been those moments, like I said, over the last 10 years where I've been like, you know what, again, I'm at that place where I'm deeply unfulfilled and yet I'm making good money. And do I stay where I am or do I, am I willing to risk and let go of everything and rebrand myself or move or, you know, sell a business? Like I've done all those things. Just because I've been seeking greater and greater levels of growth and greater and greater levels of fulfillment. And so this is all in line with the conversation of like, okay, we spend so much time focusing on making money, right? Um, but what, what does money ultimately 
represent to to me at least money require it kind of represents security <clears throat> excuse me um freedom it like gives me greater choices and options um uh, it allows me to have greater physical health cuz i can pour that back into my physical health it allows me to you know grow my business it allows me to have more freedom in terms of being able to leverage the support of of a team um cuz for instance right now i've got 1 2 three, four, five, roughly five to seven, kind of some of those are part-time team members who support me in my business. <clears throat> and that helps immensely because it allows me to stay in my lane. So for you, what does staying in your lane, like what are your gifts? What are those things that bring you life? And what are those things that take life out of you? And the key is it takes a, it takes this process. Don't get me wrong. It's not like something you can just kind of snap your fingers and turn it over overnight but the key is like maybe you do you just come up with a plan and maybe you've got a really good paying job right now um and you could save you know what if you could live off of 40 percent 30 percent of your income and you saved 60 70 percent of your your paycheck into this nest egg so that you could walk in one day and say hey boss you know appreciate you, but I'm out. Um, I'm retiring. <laughs> and whether you're in your thirties, forties, fifties, sixties, whatever the case might be, you know, that's, that's the idea is at least to have an idea of what the ballpark number is, you know, like get, you, at least you have an idea. Cause at least in my mind, I had this idea that I needed to make, I had to have like millions of dollars in the bank, $10 million, $50 million. I had no idea. I just knew that it was a lot and in my mind, since it really couldn't capture and grasp how much money that was, it was kind of always like a, yeah, but, like, I'll never get there. I don't know. Like, I have to win the lottery or I have to, like, I don't know. So that's the idea is for you to actually really see the number, get clear about what it's going to take to start saving towards that number, and then to, to begin – creating that vision of what you will do once you reach that number because life certainly doesn't end it's not like you just go sit back and drink Mai Tais on the beach I mean you could for a little while but that's going to be boring I imagine if you're listening to this podcast you're someone who's focused on personal growth and leveling up and contributing so what would life look like for you so I know for me it's like okay even with all the world all the the money in the world uh, I ask my, myself the question, would I change anything? Like, would I continue doing what I'm doing? Or if I had all the money in the world, would I, would I do something completely different? For me, I'm doing exactly what I want to be doing. So with a massive influx of money or not, I'm doing what I absolutely love, right? That doesn't have to be you. You could continue to, you know, crank out your job for three or five more years. You're making, you know, a healthy $150,000 a year and you save 60% of that and, you know, you get to your number as quick as you can and then you go off and maybe you want to open a little business or move down to Costa Rica and teach surfing, like whatever it is, right? But I think it's good to have that plan. Otherwise, you're constantly just keeping up with the Joneses. And like I said, the more money you make, the more you spend. And it's, uh, that's, that's the death cycle, you know, that's like the perpetual 
uh, hamster wheel that you can never get off of. So anyways, I hope you've enjoyed the this thought process that I've had and working myself through the, the simplicity of just figuring out the 4% rule. What's that uh, yearly uh, spend number that I want to cover? And granted, right now it's a lot smaller than it will be in the future. Um, knock on wood, once I get remarried and start a family. However, I'm like, okay, let's just focus on me right now. This is where I'm at. Let me just work on that goal. I know what that goal is. And then from there, let's then start kind of projecting out. Okay, let's just say the, the there's a wife and kids and, you know, then maybe it's $75,000 a year or $100,000. Like really at the end of the day though, you can live off of probably a lot less than you realize if you were to cut out all of the, the frills. Um, but like I said, not all the things that really bring you enjoyment, but really focus on the things that bring you enjoyment but all the stuff that's kind of like mindless spending, like you got to cut that stuff out. So anyways, we'll love to hear your thoughts and feedback on it. As always, feel free to hit me up on social media or on email. I would love to get your questions or your thoughts. And if you have any other suggestions on things you'd love to dive into, topics that I can discuss either by myself or with other guests, all of it is always welcome. I hope you had a, have an amazing day and we'll catch up with you soon. All right, cheers. And I want to thank you so much for listening to The Johnny King Show. And hey, if you got something positive from this episode, please subscribe to the show, share it on your favorite social platform, and then tag me in it so I can say hi. It would also mean the world to me if you wrote a review of the show on Apple Podcasts because I read every single one. Do you feel like there's something I could be doing better? Awesome. I totally thrive on constructive feedback, and it's always welcome. So if you've got questions or concerns, you can always reach me via email at podcast at johnnyking.com. And then please follow me on Instagram at johnnyking, facebook.com backslash johnnykingmenscoach on my YouTube channel and LinkedIn. Thanks again for joining me. I've been Johnny King. You've been amazing. And we'll catch up with you next time. Take care.